Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. I mean, South Carolina's going all classy. You guys sell sh- hats that say cocks on it. SI's Russ Dellinger. I celebrated week zero uh, by going to see a uh, 77-year-old rock star at an outdoor amphitheater in Columbia, Maryland. And SI's Pat Forty. Auburn is, is the house in the neighborhood that has two cars on cinder blocks in the front yard and a pet giraffe. And everybody's like, what the hell is going on there? And they're like, we don't care. That's who we are, baby. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. The season is here. I'm going to move my uh, end of podcast appeal to the front. Usually, like, getting right to the action. But if you're just getting back to us because the season's finally here, well, you're just a bunch of fools who missed a lot of good content of the offseason. It's a lot of Where chicken you sound for? sandwich war intel. Yep, yep. Sasquatch sightings. There was a murder. There was a Sasquatch murder, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bigfoot. Yeah, there was a lot going on. You missed it. But uh, please subscribe. Please share us on social media. Please tell your friends about about us. We got Ross Dellinger here. We picked him up on the transfer portal. The realignment. Pete Thamel is off to ESPN. You can see a smiling face on there. But we're better than ever and uh, excited for the season. So. It's not the same season unless you listen to us all the time. So appreciate you here. Stick with us. Right, Pat? You bet. Hey, we will uh, have a lot of fun. We will get to Michigan's starting quarterback derby. Uh, A&M. We got cock commander going on (laughs) down at USC. Cluck Norris. We've got uh, Auburn dysfunction. Recurring ongoing saga. We got all sorts of stuff. But I want to start with the debacle in Dublin. (laughs) <laughs> We've talked a lot about the Cornhuskers and the uh, perilous fate, you would think, of Scott Frost's future there, employment and what happened. But So we won't go too in-depth on what very well could be uh, two bad teams playing a bad game in, the, in hindsight. But uh, Nebraska was leading 28-17 on Northwestern. It looked like, hey, here's a shot for, for Nebraska to win, to cover, to feel good about itself. They were rolling along. Onside kick, uh, about nine minutes left in the third, and the game was never the same. Northwestern came back in one thirty-one twenty-eight in Ireland. Pat, I will start with you because you seemed greatly offended by the onside kick. 
personally offended. Because he picked the Huskers. I mean, <laughs> like you. I was, I, I, I just, I'm not sure I've seen a more profound act of self-sabotage in a must-win game, or near must-win at least, than that one by the great Scott Frost. I mean... Your career is on the line this season, and this is one of those 50-50 kind of games, really 60-40 you should win kind of games, and you're up 11, and that's when you decide, oh, let's get cute. Let's be aggressive. Let's be creative. Let's catch them off guard. No, let's turn the whole game around and just give it to Northwestern to come back. I just I, I was astounded. I mean, Scott Frost has done a lot of stupid things at, in four years at uh, Nebraska and is very fortunate to have his job for a fifth year. And then you start your fifth year by doing that? I mean, that was, that was as foolhardy a decision as I have seen by a guy who's, who's in hot water in, boy, a long, long time. I, I just I was amazed by it, and it, it blew up like so many other things in Scott Frost's tenure, <laughs> and yet another close loss. As I said last week, 5-20 and 20 in one-score games. Make it 5-21, and 21, buddy. Incredible. They, I, I, you know, as Pat knows, I, uh, I celebrated week zero uh, by going to see a uh, 77-year-old rock star at an outdoor amphitheater in Columbia, Maryland. But I did get to watch the first half of the Nebraska game and, and saw snippets of the second half before seeing uh, Sir Rod Stewart perform, uh, which was great. But uh, it's certainly better than uh, the Huskers' performance in that uh, that incredibly confounding call. I, I don't I – don't, uh, so I didn't see a lot of explanation of what he said afterward except that he regrets the call. Being aggressive. Being aggressive. Yeah, being mm-hmm. aggressive, right. Yeah. Yes, aggressively stupid, I think uh, someone, some might say. So uh, I don't get it, and now it just – that felt like a um, winner-be-fired game, right? I mean, it just felt it just felt that way. Like if you can't beat a Northwestern team that won three games uh, last year, you're, you're probably not going to get to that mark this year that would keep you as coach. But that's just how it feels. All right, I didn't like the call. I mean, look, you, you're up. Two scores on Northwestern. Historically, that's enough. <laughs> this is not <laughs> yeah. you're not playing yeah. against the 03 Hurricanes here, okay? Where you're like, oh, they're getting 60. I gotta keep going. It's Northwestern. You punt them deep and you make them go a long way, really slow. That's their thing. They they just aren't a quick strike offense. So I don't get it. I get the aggressiveness. Look, if they had done it, we'd be going, oh, I seized the job. I don't know. Dumb idea. I was more concerned. You look at that defensive line was not good. There was no pass rush. They got gashed. That's recruiting. That's development. That's weight room. That's coaching. Like, you can't just get grounded and worn down at the end of the game by Northwestern. It doesn't bode well. Scott Frost, this was not winner go home. It was close. If he can beat Oklahoma in a couple weeks, he he has a chance to survive. But you are <laughs> you are now really on the edge. If he loses to Oklahoma big, he may not make it uh, past that. Yeah, right. But either way, he's in he's in a in a world of trouble. The program just there's nothing you saw. Casey Thompson inaccurate. Once the once Northwestern made some some shifts on defense, the 
the passing game change. I mean, just there was nothing you saw Saturday. It says, okay, this team, they, you know, they they botched it or something. You can see good teams botch it, right? A fumble on a punt or something like, you know, some crazy play, but that wasn't it. This was just like you're getting gashed at the end. You could not stop Northwestern. Your your D-line got worn out in this game. And this is not the most physical team you're going to play uh, this year. The, the O-line lost the battle of line of scrimmage, too. And they're the ones that uh, threw up like 15 times a day during camp. So, <laughs> yeah, it obviously yeah. didn't work. Yeah. Something, something didn't work there. All that puking for nothing. Also puking. The stadium's uh, electronic <laughs> system in Ireland could not accept uh, payment. And why we should stay, perhaps we should say every college football game in Ireland, rather than come up with some other system, the Irish just said, free food and beer. Come get it. <laughs> How about that? I mean, free Guinness. Was- yeah. That's awesome. And I, as I did say on Twitter, I said, somehow I don't think we'd see that same uh, hmm customer-friendly response no. in a, an American stadium. If Hell no. <laughs> you know. Hell no. No. They'd let the beer spoil before that. They yeah. the Irish are just wonderful people. Yeah. They Free beer. Uh, there was some funny stories, like guys immediately word spread around the stadium. There was free beer as, <laughs> you know, as would, and people were like running to the stands. <laughs> yeah. Screw the game. I mean, it's the power. <laughs> it's the power of the words free beer. <laughs> because, okay, I don't know what the tickets cost. Let's say they're $100 or $50. It doesn't really matter. Let's say it's 100 and the Guinness is 10 You missed a, like 30 minutes of the action of something you paid 100 to get one free $10. Like the, 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 the math equation does not work. If you have the money to fly all the way over to Ireland to watch a game, you have the money to buy a a proper pint in the Dublin pubs that night, but it's like free beer. Right? Yeah. I don't want to watch anymore. <laughs> I saw, I saw where they were, they were limiting it to two, two pints per person, two free pints per person. So I saw a couple of people were, who, who were reporting on it and who were there at the stadium said that people were getting the, getting their two points and then circling back and just getting right back in line, <laughs> drinking the two pints. And by the time they were up there, they were gone. They were getting two more pints and circling back in the back of the line. They missed the whole game. Uh, uh, well, see, this is where I think like if you are Irish and you're just kind of, eh, you're casual to indifferent, Football fan, American football fan, like, right, oh, right. I'll go check it out because it's here. This is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really care that yes. much about free the game, but you work. can get free beer. <laughs> Hell yeah. Like me going right. to a soccer game. Free. I was totally free beer. Oh, screw the game. I think I, I yeah, you know. Right. I watched yeah. the first half. Yeah. Yeah. They just were hammering the Guinness. Uh, <laughs> tremendous the, work. The cup snakes, cup snakes were, were epic. They were trying to get them yeah. up, from the lower deck up to the upper deck. I mean, it was uh, <laughs> ambitious. Ambitious, Wrigley, Wrigley. Yeah, the Irish game is great. Navy and Notre Dame next year. Oh, we need more games in Ireland, I believe. I think we need more games in Ireland. Just terrific. So that was all you got. So speaking of puking twenty times, most Northwestern, I mean uh, Nebraska fans probably were. Yeah, uh, I will hold out. Northwestern looked a lot better, but I'm not. I'm not jumping that gun. We did that with Illinois last year. Yeah, when they beat North uh, Nebraska, I mean uh, Illinois I'll, also looked good this weekend. I'll give Northwestern this: their their left tackle, who has been touted as a first round pick, looked like a first round pick. Peter Skaronsky, I mean, he was fantastic. That they at the end of the game when 
they were going to run the ball because Pat Fitzgerald went like mega Kirk Ferentz conservative. Like, we're not throwing the ball. We are running the ball, period. And Nebraska knew it, and they still mauled them. And that was largely going behind uh, Skaronsky at left tackle. Uh, that the Very impressive performance, at least by him and, and some others on that offensive line. So that was a very good sign for them. And quite a uh, tweet from their offensive line coach afterwards – uh, who, mm. who, after they absolutely punked Nebraska's defensive line, said, huh, our guys only threw up five times the whole camp. <laughs> not, vomit tally. Go figure. The yeah. vomit tally did not pan out. Again, this is a coach. It's like he didn't know he would, like, it, did, it was like Scott Frost did not know he was coaching against Pat Fitzgerald. <laughs> right. Like, you get down 11. Yeah. They're not, you want Northwestern throwing the ball. Absolutely. Force them to throw the ball. You're up 11. You got two scores. You just gotten a nice turnover. Uh, the, uh, I, the hindsight on, on, on onside kicks is always, you know, it's 2020. But again, this yeah. is not an explosive offense. No. This is a conservative you're, you're up, coach. Yeah. You're up 11 on a team that was in the hundreds in like maybe like 110 or something in pass efficiency last year. And yes, they're improved in that area. So Holinsky looks better, hmm. but still they are a play action passing attack. Like we have to run to set up the pass. We are going to boot. We're going to waggle. We're going to throw to the running backs. We're going to throw to the tight ends. Yeah. You know, it's, it's get them down and kick it deep and make them show they can throw downfield to beat you. And they just completely failed. Also, uh, Frost just sounds like a, a coach that's uh, packed it in right during the press conference, throwing throwing his offensive staff completely under the bus. <laughs> I, I saw somebody tweeted. It was probably the best tweet I saw of the weekend. Uh, I think they quote tweeted the, the the quote from Scott Frost throwing his offensive staff under the bus, and uh, I forgot who it was. Quote tweeted and put, uh, you know, in in. Uh, uh, overseas in Ireland, you have to throw the have to throw whatever out of your vehicle the, on the opposite side of the road. So he's throwing his offensive staff uh, under the bus on the opposite side of the road in, in England. But uh, it, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, I kind of friendly with some of those people on his staff, and I don't I don't think that was taken uh, lightly. I think everybody, you know, in this day and age, everybody sees that. So I don't know why I do that. Also. Uh, Mark Whipple, right, his offensive coordinator, has now been thrown under the bus twice uh, in a few months by, by, by two, two different, different coaches. coaches. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, not not yeah. great. Things not going great. I wonder if, you know, an Oklahoma loss would, would send them to make an immediate move. Well, also, like, you, you bag on Mark Whipple. You just hired him. Yeah. That's yeah, your you hire, bro. for like right. nine hundred a year, like right. eight seventy five or something, like a lot of money. You went out and poached Mark Whipple from Pitt, and one game in, you're already bagging on him. Yeah, well, I mean that was nobody told you to get Mark Whipple. Yeah, <laughs> you did it. I, well, I don't think Casey Thompson was more the problem, but anyway, I was a coach in panic mode. But so look at looking at it just just quickly here. Uh, so, yeah, they, they probably somewhere, they either need to win every borderline game or they're going to have to pull a rabbit out of their hat to get to seven, eight wins, all right? Going to beat North Dakota and Georgia Southern, are you better? That sets up the Oklahoma game, and that's one of your four rabbit out of the hat possibilities there. And then at the end of the season, when it's murderer's row, 
Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa. And I don't know whether Frost can make it that far. In between there, in between Oklahoma and that ending stretch, you got Indiana at Rutgers at Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota. Those are all kind of jump ball games as of now. But as also as of now, and we haven't seen these other teams, I would make uh, Nebraska an underdog in at least two or three of them. So uh, it's going to be tough sledding for Scott Frost, and that Oklahoma game does loom very, very large on September 17th. Well, here's the thing. If you're, if you're smart and you're Nebraska – if, if Oklahoma is a, a decisive Sooner victory, you fire Scott Frost then. You have a bye week, and you don't let him go on the run of, right. hey, we beat Indiana, Rutgers. Like, Purdue's going to be tough. But maybe they yeah. pull that out in Illinois, and, and next thing you know, you're like, hey, we got to stick with the guy, and he's going to end up being five, you know, seven wins, six wins. Mm-hmm. You don't right. risk it. If the you only you want him gone, you fire him if Oklahoma, you know, takes him to the woodshed and just say, because you don't want to risk those easier games. They should beat Indiana and Rutgers every year. Right. The 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 only complication there is again everything comes back to money. Uh the buyout drops on October first, yeah. which drops in is half. two weeks after the Oklahoma game. Right? Fire him at yeah, the, mo- cut, in the drops morning. in half from fifteen to seven point five. Yeah. Dude, you yeah, got you fire him that October second. <laughs> the week of week of the Indiana game, Trev Alberts is out there saying, um, you know, Coach Whipple, why don't you take a little bigger hand in things yeah. here this week, okay? Eleven fifty nine. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Or twelve oh one. Scott Frost comes in. Right, well, Trev, why would you do that? Oh, no reason. Nothing. Nothing. Just a suggestion. And yeah. Scott Frost's uh, phone rings at 12.01 on uh, October 1st. <laughs> do not answer. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, they got so much money coming, but that is a lot of money. So, well, he might pull the, uh, you know, you want to fire me, fire me after. Anyway, huge game in a couple of weeks. We'll we'll discuss it then. Um, all right. Week week one is coming. Um, we're going to talk about the big matchups more later in this later in the week. A uh, couple interesting stories, though. Uh, let's start with the quarterbacks. At Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, I think his uh, look, he coached in the NFL, he played a long time in the NFL. I think he looked at this schedule and said, we might as well just do this like the NFL and have a preseason. Yeah, He's got Cade McNamara, who led them to the big season last year. He's got backup J.J. McCarthy. I think every single person knows J.J. McCarthy has greater upside, but Cade McNamara is really good and won him a lot of games. Uh, so Cade McNamara says we have not figured out who the starting quarterback is. Cade McNamara will start against Colorado State this weekend. J.J. McCarthy will start the following week against Hawaii. Then a d- starter for the season will be determined for the UConn game, which is three ga- game three. And then ostensibly your first any kind of uh, challenge is Maryland week four. So he's basically saying these first we're going to win these first two no matter what. Let's do this and and see where we're at. Now, famously, back in the day, they had the the Drew Henson Tom Brady QB battle where uh, Lloyd Carr started one for one quarter, and then the second quarter the other guy started. Then at halftime, the coaches decided who should play the rest of the game. <laughs> that was <laughs> dreadful. That was goofy. This is almost as goofy. Almost, I I give this better than that because yeah, that was stupid, and you ended up with the wrong guy. By the way, too often. <laughs> yeah. Um, Brady still playing. 
Still <laughs> should have gone with Tom. Happily. Uh, yeah. I hate this. I, I feel pretty definitive. You, this was the guy to go with. But yeah. Um, yeah, thoughts on thoughts on that. Pat, you, what do you got? I said this is getting Spurrier-esque on, on when that came out. This is getting, you know, like Steve Spurrier would come up with goofy-ass uh, things to do with his quarterbacks. At one point, he was literally shuttling them in and out every play uh, somewhere in the mid-'90s. I think Jesse Palmer and Terry Dean or somebody and Terry Dean were part of that. And, and this, to me, is like it, – it, I think it's indicative of a couple things. First of all, I think they're they're both good quarterbacks, and you can win with both of them. I think, Dan, your point is exactly right. The schedule gives them the opportunity to do this. Uh, and let it play out in a in a public forum where they're, you're not just hey trust me this is what this guy's been better in practice the, everybody can probably see who's going to be playing better after two games but you are still you're toying with the quarterbacks to a degree where uh, well it, it gives them each a chance they, there's there's there how far are you going to take this uncertainty with them and then is this also a means to make sure nobody jumps in the portal you know you're going to give them through September 10th, yeah, there might be some schools on quarter systems where you could bail and and get enrolled there and 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 get things moving. But but for the most part, I think this kind of is going to lock them both in for for the season. And I will say, like, if you were Dan, you were around the team. Summer Ross, I don't know whether you covered Michigan last year. I don't remember, but like, Cade McNamara is a plus leader guy. You know, I mean, he's got that sort of vibe about him. And they kept they put McNamara and Aiden Hutchinson out front. Every you know, week after week, they were the they were the spokesman for the team, and they handled that very well. So McNamara has been voted a captain. They really like that. But I also heard Harbaugh rave on the intangibles of McCarthy. He would be he was the freshman who like they would go play at Wisconsin, and then McCarthy would grab they'd travel back to Michigan, and he would grab the other freshman skill people and go into the facility and work out after the game after a road game. Um, so, you know, there's a lot to like about both guys. We'll just see, I don't know whether you can conceivably keep both guys for the long haul. Yeah, this is, uh, it's just bizarre how he's handling this. And you wonder, you know, how it plays into the psyche of 18, 19, 20 year olds, uh, being on a, the, the competition. It's one thing like for the competition to be closed off at, at a practice, a private practice where nobody sees. And now the competition is going to play out publicly, like on national TV <laughs> in front of, in front of everyone. Uh, that, I mean, that could, that could spell disaster. I think mentally, that's why you probably don't see it happening very often in, in college as opposed to the pros. So this should be interesting, but it seems like a classic, uh, like Pat mentioned, you've got the young talented kid against the like savvy veteran who probably has like probably is more Mr. Consistent and it's going to give you, you know what he's going to give you as opposed to, you know, this other guy who is, again, maybe a little more talented and uh, maybe gives you a little more, but at the same time, it, it's a little riskier, I guess, especially if Cade has the team, which he seems like he does, right? Like he does have the the team behind him. It's a it's tough to dethrone kind of that person, I, I feel like, in we we saw you know Jim Harbaugh's kind of handling it the opposite of what Dave Aranda did at Baylor, where after spring, boom, he he picked his starter and and let the let the other guy right uh, go into the portal. Uh, we're, we're we're seeing the opposite here. Well, I think that plays into the decision. I, I don't know. I mean, they they're both there. I'm sure it's a very difficult decision. It's not like 
J.J. McCarthy looked like Trevor Lawrence. But I think, you know, if you're playing in the Georgia game or at Ohio State at the end of the year, you need as much talent on the field as possible. And J.J. McCarthy just has a higher upside. But Michigan won its national title with Brian Greasy. Georgia won its title with Stetson Bennett. So, you know, you see this in college all the time. I do think there's some portal guarding. I mean, look, J.J. McCarthy's five-star recruit on 24-7, high four-star. Had he wanted to transfer, maybe even right now, but let alone earlier in camp or last spring, with NI, I mean, someone's, you know, take like Auburn. We're going to talk about Auburn a little bit. Maybe they don't want to because they're undermining their coaches and stuff. But how much does Auburn give for, for J.J. McCarthy right now when you're sitting there going, I need a quarterback? Hell yeah. You know, Absolutely. so you can sit there and go, we'll give you a starting job and a million bucks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is what you're dealing with. And so this way, you know, does McCarthy become the starter? Does he not? Do you get far enough down where he just sixed it out because he's going to be the starter next year? I mean, McNamara, I think, would still have eligibility, but he's already a grad student. I don't know how that would play out. Who knows? But this is where we're at. It'll certainly be an interesting thing. I do like this better than... I like two things about this. One is the straight acknowledgement. Now, it may blow up on them, but probably not, uh, that this is preseason. Our schedule absolutely stinks. Right. And so we're going to do two weeks, and then we're still going to have a warm-up game before Maryland. <laughs> okay, so yeah. there's no urgency to make a decision at Michigan, and I give Harbaugh credit for, for going with that and saying, hey, what the hell? We can't beat these two teams with these two quarterbacks. It doesn't matter. And then B, you find out what happens when you do throw a pick. How does a guy respond? And when right. you're trying to juggle two and there's, you're always one mistake away from getting benched, it's a hard way to play. So uh, I do it think is. that'll be. Yeah. Now, from that standpoint, you're at least giving each guy a legitimate chance. You're not, don't have them looking over their shoulder or wondering, okay, is next series my last series? Theoretically, unless, I mean, if you come out and stink it up and you're losing, then that could change things. But I'm interested in the, the era of uh, the transfer portal. I'm, I mean, it's really, really interesting to see how coaches are handling these recruiting battles. Like I mentioned, Aranda, and, and now we talk about Harbaugh, Aranda, like, getting it done after spring practice. And obviously every quarterback battle is, is different and has its own elements. But um, but you see what Aranda did and in, in, in places like, you know, Michigan, what they're doing. And then it, it, my mind goes to LSU and what happened there. You know, had they had they rectified their quarterback battle in the spring, Miles Brennan <laughs> might be quarterback in Nebraska right now. I mean, it, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, one, it's, it's crazy how these things – kind of have, have unfolded. And it's a good storyline to watch going forward. Every August, every summer, spring, whatever, when you have a starting quarterback battle coming in, how is the coach handling it as it relates to the transfer portal? Because you know whoever loses that battle is, is um, especially they're a more experienced player, how marketable they are uh, in the transfer portal. It's kind of a fascinating new dynamic we're seeing uh, arise with, with, the, uh, with the whole portal and, and immediate eligibility. Teams are so desperate. Uh, yeah, you could get a salary bump. Yeah. You know, and, and that, you know, uh, so we'll go to AM. Haynes King is announced the starter this week against Sam Houston. Now he's a sophomore. He played two games last year, injured his, his leg. Max Johnson, the LSU transfer, uh, he beats him out for, for the job. And Connor uh, Wegman, who's, uh, you know, top 25 recruit 
five-star recruit out of uh, in-state Cypress, Texas. So kind of same thing there. You got three guys and, you know, Wegman's probably fine with it for now. But, you know, how do you juggle all that? And and I don't know what what King looked pretty good last year. It was just early, but they've got to get ramped up. They've got two games. He, Sam Houston stayed in App State and then A&M's got to be ready. It's Miami, Arkansas, Miss State, Alabama. Away we go. So uh, I thought that was a pretty interesting decision there. But these are all all moves you got to make and you got to you got to know guys can leave at any moment. I mean, I wonder, like, how late in a year would somebody you know, let's say they'd gone with Johnson. How how late in the year would a coach say, "I'll take I'll take Haynes King"? Right. I, I don't know. It's a good question. I I mean, it would be. It's really. I think would be really hard to bring in somebody after preseason camp and try to shove them in there. But desperate times, desperate things. You know, people would do that sort of thing if if I think if they felt like you know they could and it could work out quickly. But but it's a lot to ask. So chances are. You've got your you right. Whoever your quarterbacks are on your roster now are going to stay on your roster through the season. But we'll still see some some stuff happen. And yeah, interesting thought on on Haynes King. You know, when he went down against Colorado, they nearly lost that game. And Zach Calzada uh, eventually, you know, moved in, and he was he was okay. He was you know he 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 got him through the season, but he wasn't great. And I think the feeling last year was if they had Haynes King, they wouldn't have gone eight and four. Uh, now we'll see what happens this year, but but Max Johnson certainly didn't transfer there, thinking he wasn't going to win the job. Yeah, I know. Another fascinating thing that we're seeing arise too is quarterbacks transferring from from one Power Five school, starting quarterbacks at one Power Five school, uh, or at least have started a few games from one Power Five school, going to another with the intention of of being the starter there, and it not happening. We, you know, Max Johnson, who Brad Johnson's son. You know, it, it was the kind of the infamous, I guess, game, the shoe game at Florida, LSU, Florida. He was the one that <laughs> led LSU to that big victory uh, at the end of the regular season of 2020 when LSU went in there and in in won in the fog and the swamp on the on the field goal and the thrown shoe and all that. I mean, he, you know, I remember talking to Brad Johnson the next day. I covered that game. I was in Gainesville and talking to Brad Johnson the next day. And there, you know, there was obviously excitement over Max's future and he was a true freshman then I'm pretty sure and looked pretty good at times um and then now he's here he is he's at his second school and is going to be a backup so that's that's a fascinating dynamic when you see uh these these transfer quarterbacks they don't always get the starting job at their you know the grass isn't always greener so to speak I, I don't know what Max Johnson's uh situation would have been at LSU had he stayed and now you Maybe kind of wonder about that. Yeah, uh, you know, boy, the the buyer's remorse and the twenty twenty hindsight on some of these uh, switches, and and especially intriguing the ones like within conference, like we've been looking at with with in the SEC West, where everything seems to be uh, interrelated. Searching for NBA playoff coverage, we've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, Auburn, 
fires athletic director Alan Green, who hired Brian Harson. Uh, to me, this is uh, <laughs> it's basically the season's over. Sorry, Tigers, War Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't fire Harson last year, so now they fire Green. They're going to fire Harson, barring unexpected great success. I wish Auburn well. This just this is Auburn being Auburn. Alan Green was not going to get renewed. He'd been looking for another job anyway. But to me, you fire him now, you get an AD, and then you fire Harson, and you have the set. You have the the set uh, the, the search set up. Um, some classic and kind of rare school rival. I don't know what rival school bashing. Alan Green played at Notre Dame, and then he worked with. Uh, I think he worked with Danny White, the Tennessee athletic director, uh, both at Ole Miss and then at Buffalo. Before getting to Auburn. Anyway, Kevin White, the Duke, former Duke and Notre Dame AD, he's retired now. Quote, the apparent political dysfunction in Auburn is truly legendary. More specifically, this particular leadership transition unequivocally ascends Auburn to the, quote, catbird seat in terms of being tone deaf nationally. <laughs> and then Danny White comes in on the tag team, the White the father-son tag team. Now, he's the sitting AD at Tennessee. Congratulations, Alan Green at A Green 4 for getting the heck out of a crazy situation for greener passions. I admire how you have managed that chaos with class and integrity. Looking forward to seeing your next chapter. <laughs> I mean, think about this. First of all, have you ever heard Kevin White say anything controversial in his life? Like nah, he's he's free from a job now. He's like he that guy never said anything. From the hip. Kevin White's is, great, yeah. but no. Kevin White was was the most circumspect guy you ever talked to in college athletics. Very careful about what he said, guarded, you know, diplomatic. And now, yeah, he's retired and he's letting it fly here. But I mean, whoa. And then yeah, Danny White, who's this is now the second team he's taking a shot at in the SEC. In the month of August. I mean, he took a shot at uh, Kentucky over the Stoops Calipari squabble, too. So <laughs> both those things were like, wow. And the whole thing, like, love it. Yeah, no. Auburn is, is just, they are that, they're, <laughs> I'm trying to, like, the, the house in the neighborhood that has, like, Two cars on cinder blocks in the front yard and a pet giraffe. And everybody's like, what the hell is going on there? And they're like, we don't care. That's who we are, baby. A literal service. That's fine. You don't like our giraffe? You don't like our cars on cinder blocks? That's okay. We do. For 40 years, right, yeah, it's yeah. been that way down there. It's just like, it yeah. actually amazes me. It's, it's quite impressive how every five to seven years, they field a championship-worthy football program. I mean, wow. It, it, they played on a national title. They they've gone undefeated like the last you know fifteen years or so. And despite like all of the, they've done it, despite all of the behind the scenes, off the field circus there, where the administration from time to time has no power at all, and, and is in the kind of the booster, the big boosters and the power brokers there, kind of run the gears of the university it is uh it, it's been that way for forever in uh, or for all my lifetime and it just amazes me how uh from time to time they actually field an an impressive football team so you got to think like if they didn't have all the off the field drama how consistently good 
could Auburn be? Yeah. I mean, that's the amazing thing. It's like, in spite of the dysfunction, they have had some unbelievable teams. I, they remind me of like a West Texas, the West Texas oil businessman. <laughs> and like barrel, you know, the barrel goes to 100 and he, he commissions like a 28,000 square foot house and buys three Rolls Royces and, and all of that. And all of a sudden OPEC cranks it up and he's got to sell it all. <laughs> it's just it's boomer bust. Yeah. And you're like, didn't you save a little? Do you ever think a lot? You know, I bought like 16 spec spec wells. Oh no, none of them hit. <laughs> just total disaster. He's on like his third wife. <laughs> Can't get any. But then you know, the fourth wife could be absolute Miss America, and we're bad. There we go, baby. <laughs> Private jet into Vegas. That's right. Making Odessa turn into South Beach. You know. <laughs> it, it's just it's just a disaster. Uh, this year, particularly, uh, you know, Brian Harson did a really good job coaching Boise State. Yeah, and we've been critical a little of his coaching last year, particularly in the Iron Bowl. But he's a good coach. If you hire Brian Harson to come to the SEC, you have to give them a little bit of time to recruit better. The same way you have to do with Brian Kelly. The same way with anyone. Anyway. Like, there's going to be a little bit of a curve. You can't just walk into the South and boom, I'm going to get everybody. But you can't undermine them. And they just completely undermine the guy. And this is the last year you want to do this, to Ross's point. The top 100 players nationally in the 24-7 composite rankings. 11 of them are from Alabama. (laughs) Uh, not, Not Texas, not California, not Florida. Alabama, this is the greatest bumper crop of local recruits ever. And Auburn's going to get none of them, maybe. 0 for 11. You're not going to beat Alabama for all 11. But you're going to, you need to get three or four. These are top 100 kids nationally, all in your state. And they're going to, a bunch of them going to Alabama, sure. I think five of them, Georgia's getting a couple, Florida State, Clemson, everyone's running in. They may not get any of these guys. This is the year you want consistency and you let him build up. Now, if he can't recruit to that level, yeah, he's, you should probably fire him because it's not going to work. But I think they pulled the rug out. We don't have no idea if he could recruit nationally to that level. Yeah, so, I mean, they they kneecapped him last November, basically. You know, I mean, they, so he he's playing out the string and hoping for a miracle. And boy, oh boy, I mean, talk about a, a quarterback situation that doesn't look promising. And I was like, T.J. Finley was the guy at the end of last year. They brought in Zach Calzada from Texas A&M. The word out of spring practice was, well, Calzada's better. Oh, and, and then Finley gets in trouble. But now it's like, ooh, Calzada actually not having a good August. We're going to have to go with Finley. They name Finley. They are coming into the season an absolute hot mess. Not for the first time at Auburn. Not for the last time, but... Man, oh, man, they are making things difficult for themselves. And this is a year, if you did have your stuff together, they open with five home games. You know, you've yeah. got a chance to really make some hay. And instead, they're they're coming in with both engines smoking. I think everything that has happened at Auburn over the last, I don't know, 10 months or so, eight months, is is probably uh, evidence or proof of, of what we kind of always heard about what happened with the coaching search is that, a certain segment of Auburn wanted one person or a couple couple of different people. And then, you know, Alan Green, you know, wanted this group of people. 
And I think in the end, if you talk to people there, Alan Green actually got got his way and, and got his coach that he he wanted to hire, Brian Harson. And there was this group over here that often mingle and get into Auburn issues that don't work for the university, probably um, that that wanted others, other other coaches in. I think the investigation, you know, investigation into Brian Harson oh, back in February or so uh, was that group of people probably, you know, trying to push out a hire that they didn't want in the first place. And that failed. And they obviously succeeded, you know, in pushing out the athletic director who made the hire. So it's pretty clear what's going to happen here, barring barring uh, some kind of crazy win streak, uh, you know, barring like a nine plus win campaign, uh, that they have this year. Uh, it's pretty obvious where this is going to end. And it's those group of people probably who are going to be pretty significant in naming, uh, the next athletic director, firing the, firing the current football coach and owing him. I don't know. I think his buyouts like in 12, 15, 15. million dollars. Yeah, there you go. I mean, it's an ungodly amount of money. Million. Uh, yeah, in, incredible. Just uh, incredible. Oh, I, I think Brian Harson's going to take his $15 million and go back to the Mountain West somewhere. Right. Nebraska might be like, I'm good. This is great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just. Did you, you guys see the ticker? Guess, the ESP, was, it, was it ESPN ticker this past weekend that said it had yeah, a picture yeah, of Brian Harson and it had, uh, something about uh, what what is Brian what did Brian Harson's fate as, as the Nebraska coach? I think Brian Harson himself <laughs> yesterday yeah. tweeted it, quote tweeted it or something with like a thinking emoji. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm coming. <laughs> Get me out of here. Get we me can out work of this out. I'm going to be a very. Well, I'm going to show up with 15 million down payment on a house in Lincoln. It'll it'll go pretty well. Yeah, no, un- here, un- unbelievable situation. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah, no, it's my my. I think you know, and I I think we all kind of have put these pieces together. But but my strong suspicion is that Gus Malzahn's departure was not necessarily Alan Green's decision, and he got railroaded on that, like many people have in the Auburn administration, like they nearly were with uh, Tommy Tuberville uh, back in the day in two thousand three, but. Then I think when it's time to – and they, they tried to insert Kevin Steele off the staff who was good old Auburn guy. And then I think Alan Green put his foot down and said, no, I'm the AD here. This is my job. I need administrative backing. Let me do my job. And the administration backed him to hire Harson. But, yeah, the boosters have just have ever since then been looking for the chance to get rid of both of them. Yeah. You may be – you, you, this may be your administration, but it's our school. Right. Yeah, that yeah, seems to be the right. standing there. And I'll, I'll say this: it, this feels like a long time coming. What's happening with with Allen and and maybe what's going to happen with Brian? Two, I guess, is roughly two years ago now. So it was Auburn's search for Harson after Gus was fired. And I, I'd heard this story from one of the candidates that Auburn interviewed for that job, which they interviewed like six six to eight people, I believe. They, they interviewed quite a quite a few. Um, they interviewed, I know, uh, Venables. Then at Clemson as the DC, and they interviewed Billy Napier, who was at UL at the time, and obviously they interviewed Harson. There were like three or four more, I think they interviewed. Uh, but uh, I heard that one candidate was talking to uh, the chairman of the board of trustees, which notoriously Auburn's board of trustees are a bunch of boosters who involve themselves. Uh, and and the candidate was talking to the uh, the board of chairman, 
uh, in this candidate was pretty serious about taking the job and he said, Hey, you know, I just talked to Alan Green, you know, the, the coach said to the chairman and he seems great. And, you know, I'm, you know, everything seems wonderful, blah, blah, blah. And the chairman said, yeah, I don't know if Alan's going to be here too much longer. <laughs> and, and the coaching candidate, that was it. That was it. That was it. It was over. The coaching candidate pulled yeah. his name out of the job. I, I think, yeah. you know, he saw where it was going. And lo and behold, here we are. It's yeah. an ATM. It's an ATM. And maybe it lasts, yeah. but I don't know. But they blew this year's recruiting class. And they, they obviously have to recruit really, really well at Auburn to win. But this was kind of their chance. I also, you know, these boosters, uh, you know, I feel for the players and their families that go there. You know, the Auburn family. And then we're brotherhood and we're all here for you. Auburn men. And these guys are literally just saying, yeah, this season's done. We're going to absolute, you don't matter. Your senior year doesn't matter. Your junior, like, that's not the way to treat these people. This is the family. Good yeah. God. I mean, it's like a lot of families. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> but like what you're doing is absolutely yes. screwing over players who yeah. aren't getting a $30 million, $15 million buyout and aren't getting a bunch of guys to, to say you'll get another job like Alan Greenwell. And they're just kids on the team that were, looking forward to the senior season and now have to play under utter dysfunction because you guys just couldn't be patient and say, let's give Brian two years. And if it's not working, we'll, we'll start talking about removing people in November. Uh, so two feel years. bad for the players there. Yeah. All right. Other controversies in the sec. And this is really a doozy. This uh, is a wheelhouse topic. For us. Wheelhouse. We've discussed it before, uh, we that, have. uh, the South Carolina mascot, uh, Sir Big Spur, is uh, is actually a uh, belonged to just a, a a family that were South Carolina fans. They brought it to a baseball game once, put them up on the dugout, and everyone got really exciting. <laughs> Mary Snelling and Ron Albertelli, uh, as you would if if a if a uh, gamecock is all of a sudden you know fighting mad. And and famously, they they trimmed off the what they call it the comb, comb the, the, the red comb, part yeah. on the top of the head, so that it looked like an authentic, real, <laughs> real uh, fighting, fighting gamecock. Yeah, yeah, a rooster that would fight. You, you do that because you want to, in the barbaric tradition of uh, cockfighting, <laughs> uh, you want the comb off because it's easy to bleed. But the comb actually is a cooling device for the for the animal, so they suffer, uh, particularly in those you know uh, warm climates of Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, but uh, Mary and Ron did not care about that. So the new bird uh, owners of the uh, the gamecock is uh, Beth and Van Clark, and they are a little more uh, humane to their animal, which has really angered uh, Mary and Ron because they're they're going to keep the comb. <laughs> And so this is not an authentic-looking uh, bird you would send to a real cockfight. Now, I don't know how many people out there, and I, I hope it's very low, would have known the difference <laughs> between an authentic cockfighting bird and a just a not just a rooster. Uh, I feel like there's certain things you want to be really authentic to, and there's others you probably don't want to let people know that you know that much detail about. <laughs> That bird will lose a cockfight in my backyard. Okay, that's right. Quiet when the boys part. come over and we put $200 down on the cockfighting ring. Yeah. 
How the hell did they not sign Michael Vick back in the day? I don't know. But <laughs> anyway, we need a new name because uh, Mary and Ron are, are chapped about this comb thing and they're not letting South Carolina use the name Sir Big Spur. Uh, again, the backdrop of these stories is uh, the hard part here. <laughs> so This is a real story. This is true. Not even the Daily Mail. So we need a new name, as we, we discussed this before. Uh, and then a, a terrific story came out, uh, I think, in the Post and Courier about the names being considered. And uh, Actually, it was the Columbia State. It was the state. I'm sorry. I have the yep. poll yep. here. My bad. The yep. Columbia State. It's a newspaper war on on Sir Big Spur uh, <laughs> news. Uh, and the winner of the poll was uh, Cock Commander. <laughs> of course it was. Of course. <laughs> it was overwhelmingly defeated Cluck Norris, who we'll get to, and Marco Polo. <laughs> now, we later find out the term Cock Commander... <laughs> which is just an absolutely phenomenal name, by the way. The story is even better than the name, which is incredible. Yeah, just right. The, but the story is unbelievable. It should be the name. I feel like they're not going to be able to name it something else. No one is going to call it anything but Cock Commander. <laughs> That's right. Nor That's should right. they. That's right. Nor should they. That's right. Cock Commander. Student newspaper stories are the best. <laughs> yes, it originated in a... Long uh, back in like what was it the nineties? They were printing the student newspaper, and as student newspapers do, they put like a gag cut line under a story that they thought someone would later change to the actual cut line. The cut line being whatever describes the picture. When they used yeah. to have things called actual printed newspaper, mm -hmm. this is a very <laughs> this is a very dangerous thing to do. Yeah, and many student newspapers have done this because oh yeah. you put. People forget to change the thing, ha ha, and you never know. And all of a sudden, boom, there it is. Uh, it's it's the original. Like my phone was hacked on a bad tweet, <laughs> but you can't. What the newspaper was hacked. Somebody wrote that thing, so they put the word "cock commander" in to describe it uh, back in the day. And now it's the, the term is back. They should copyright whoever wrote that should copyright it right now and start selling <laughs> knockoff cock commander T-shirts. Absolutely. Apparently, though, the state is reporting the likelihood of Cock Commander becoming officially the name is very low. Sadly. I mean, South Carolina is yeah. going all classy. You guys sell yeah. hats that say cocks on it. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of them. Lots of them. It just says cocks. You walk around as a guy with a hat which says cocks on his head. <laughs> don't tell me you, don't, you aren't in on the joke. <laughs> What? Well, and again, yeah, the whole premise of the uh, like the of the mascot is we are going to have a cockfighting rooster mascot. Yeah. Like the, this is not like some highfalutin ideal here. Yeah, it's a yeah. First off, cockfighting I believe is illegal in all states, but I don't. I haven't <laughs> checked in on Arkansas yet. Maybe still there. Your last owners of the mascot like barbarically trimmed off this guy's <laughs> comb so all <laughs> cockfighting aficionados would be like yeah that's a real cockfighting bird right there <laughs> your team generally sucks and you sell a bunch of hats that say cocks on it <laughs> now you're gonna be like oh no we can't name it cock commander that's a little racy for us 
the exact cut line uh, under the student newspaper photo that ran and wasn't supposed to run. The cut line said, I am the cock commander. All other cocks must bow before the cock commander. Yo soy el cock commander. Just incredible. Can't make it up. Can't make it up. Unbelievable. I mean, uh, sure. you know, just, just. <laughs> yeah. so that ran in the 2004 edition of uh, the South Carolina student newspaper, then known as the Gamecock. There you go. There you go. The Gamecock. I'll buy a T-shirt that says Yo Soy El Cock Commander. Me too. With, with a picture of the bird. I'm in. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the paper, the paper's editor at the time noticed uh, noticed the caption and it attempted to to resend the front page to the printers, but uh, alas, it was too late. <laughs> too late, yeah, that's what happens. Careful of that, journalism students. Although yeah. twenty years later, everyone's excited about it. That's right. Oh yeah, oh yeah. heroes. Right. So I, uh, I don't know how you can't go. It should be cock commander, right, Pat? It's got to be. It absolutely has to be, and like you said, if if it's not, they won't officially name it that. Then you're just gonna everybody's gonna have to refer to the bird by that name. You know, if you're if you're so insistent on having the actual bird, that's fine. Although I I, I do have to say that was the the my favorite part of your brief rant there, Wetzel was throwing in your team generally sucks. <laughs> it's not it's not like you got that much going for you. Shade Beamer is doing an excellent job, I believe. It's really recruiting, recruiting like well, including in state. Yep. I think there's a lot of potential there, but historically, I mean, you had ball yeah. coach for a couple of years, and eh, but generally, no, you need something. Yeah, and cock yeah. commander is your thing. It happened organically. You cannot stop the will of the fans. They have more loyal fans than they deserve. They do. They have very good football fans given return on investment. That they have a great opening they have great great environment down there it's a great place to go to a game all good but cock commander's got to be it and I, I i i leave that with the one caveat we here at the college football inquirer are huge cluck norris fans well yeah because there is an actual cluck norris out there <laughs> <laughs> this would be cluck norris i mean too? if yeah if, i mean if they're gonna I do it know. right you you import the real the real deal the real cluck norris in the real cluck. was discovered Last mm-hmm. spring, we covered this story. If you missed the off season, this is what you're missing. See? You would have been you miss a well lot. ahead. Tomorrow's news today, baby. <laughs> Cluck Norris was an angry rooster that, that that their owner could not control on the farm, so they sent it to a an animal shelter in the Charlotte area, just up the road there from Columbia. That's right. And he was known for fighting dogs <laughs> inside the animal shelter. Cluck Norris would take no crap from anybody. A rooster fighting dogs. To the point Such as Georgia even, Bulldogs. Even in a rural North Carolina animal shelter, the workers were like, this is a badass rooster. And they named him Cluck Norris. And there was a story in the paper. And finally, somebody came and took Cluck Norris. And he's supposedly in a better place now. I don't know if that means... a. Uh, he's alive pot. or not? But he's mostly yeah. no. He's alive. He's he's been housed somewhere else. You go find Cluck and you bring him to his spot and you say, "This is Cluck Norris, the ba- that legend. He fought yeah. dogs. Who's your, who's one of your arch rivals? Georgia Bulldogs. Exactly. Wasn't it a uh, Bevo oh. who attacked? Was it Bevo who attacked the uh, Georgia? Was it the Georgia Bulldog? 
Yeah, attack Duga. Yeah, yeah. Duga. attack Duga uh, at the. Uh, could you imagine Sugar Bowl uh, or Cluck Norris? Cluck. Uh, poor, poor. Cluck's not backing down from attacking, Bevo. Attacking. No. <laughs> I was just thinking attacking the Georgia Bulldog, but the Cluck Norris attacking Bevo would be something. <laughs> He'd do that too. Look, that's the thing. They had a chance to get a real rooster who exists, who has already established his street cred to be your tough guy mascot. I mean, he's right out there. Go get him. I think in the pecking order of live SEC mascots, right? We got to go. You take Mike the Tiger or Bevo. I think Mike the Tiger takes Bevo down. Yeah, Mike the Tiger. Yeah. Mike the Tiger kills like everything. Uh, I, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the one is uh, Ralphie. Uh, Ralphie would be interesting. Uh, you know, does Ralphie, Ralphie would be yeah. tough. That's not SEC, but no, you oh, never know well, yeah, way the tr- yeah. way the way the expansion goes. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I missed that. Yeah, I missed that part. But uh, yeah, you're right. I think I think probably Mike the Tiger. And Auburn doesn't have a live tiger, right? Um, no, so. they used well, to they have the that, war. Yeah, they got that eagle. They got the eagle. At the war eagle. That's right. And eagles are eagles are badasses now. Now, if the, if old if old uh, well, I mean Tennessee has Smokey, but I was thinking of the mascot as an actual mountain man with a musket. I mean, because a musket can, can take out a tiger. <laughs> well, the mountaineer, the West mountaineer. Virginia mountaineer yeah, can go. shoot everybody. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Now, if but Alabama if made the like, elephant real, well, yeah, now that'd that, be a problem. That might be your they, winner. That'd be a problem They talk the about tiger. the lion as the king of the jungle, but you can watch YouTube. There's like five yeah. lions trying to attack an, an elephant. They just shuck, they just shake <laughs> yeah. them off. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so This is what Wetzel does, by the way, when he's not podcasting. Yeah. I see that. YouTube yeah. African animal fights. <laughs> I mean... Somebody took the just took the time to put it up on YouTube. It's at least my as I can do. Uh, so as far as I'm concerned, Cock Commander is it, uh, unless you go get the real Cluck Norris. And I don't want to yeah. hear about Marco Polo, cute name. I don't want to hear Cock a Doodle Dude. That's not I don't want to hear about the Kicking Chicken, <laughs> Coop, yeah, Coop, the Brewster, <laughs> uh, Captain Cluck. Yeah, no. no. There's two no. choices. Let's go. Let's get let's get Cluck Norris a job. Absolutely. I would I want Cluck Norris on the sideline strutting around and I still want a Cock Commander t-shirt. I want both those things. There's there's a business there. Start making Cock Commander t-shirts and hats because uh they can't stop you. They cannot stop you. Um all right. Finally and last of our animal uh stories uh this week. Sent, this is the most sent, sent to a story, as we often will do. Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, uh, downtown Philadelphia, Love Park, uh, which has a nice like splash pad and stuff. Someone showed up with their emotional support alligator. <laughs> <laughs> Wally. Wally the alligator. Listen, uh, it was on a Pennsylvania, leash. not in Florida. Right. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Now, I think he lives in York, Pennsylvania, but he showed up in Philly. They took a Wally and his owner, uh, Joey Henney, took a little uh, road trip to Philly. Uh, He has him on a leash. Although, what is that? I would think the an alligator could just yank that leash out of your hands. How big is the alligator? Do we have do we have? There's video measurement. It looked a little. I mean, it looks on this sucker like an adolescent, you know, like. Not not huge. Of okay. course, it will get not huge. not enormous. Not enormous, but anyway, uh, Joey Henny said, um, "I went through a real hard depression, and he brought me out of it." 
My doctor wanted to give me anti-depression medicine. I refused to take it. So he instead chose to spend time with the gator. <laughs> and he is, Wally is a federally registered as an emotional support animal. And uh, Henny claims that alligators are easier to train than dogs. This okay. is all according to the New York Post. <clears throat> like, how how affectionate is a reptile? Do we do we have like you know? I mean, this just doesn't seem like your emotion emotional support and alligator just mm. don't seem to go together terribly well. No, cute, like demonstrably cold blooded. Yeah, cold blooded, right? I mean, these are literally cold blooded. Yeah, right. And then, yeah, what do you do with that with with the alligator in the winter? I mean, I guess he just roams around the house. What do you do? Lamping outside in the yard. What do you do with the alligator in about? You know, 18 to 24 months when it's about seven feet long, do. <laughs> I mean, uh, and, and don't bring it near water, right? Because alligators are notorious for grabbing whatever they'd like to eat and then diving into the water and rolling with it and killing it. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, this this does not seem like a smart thing to do, especially a children's splash pad in downtown Philly. Oh, that. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> I would advise against that. Yeah. Yeah. Picking the fattest, slowest child at the splash pad and going and getting <laughs> oh, it. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, I do. We have to defer to Ross. This is, a, this is yet another reason the, 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 the education level of the pod increases because Ross knows his alligator stuff. Uh, he's yeah. from the Gulf Coast. He's yeah, been, you know, one of my he's, favorite he's, things he's, in the world to eat is blackened alligator. So maybe we could, Wally, you really? know, when Wally gets big enough and you and you're ready to give it up, <laughs> pack it in. I can give you my address in DC and we'll fry it up or put some blackened seasoning on it and put it in the oven. <laughs> it's the tail. Guys, it's gonna go from emotional support to to dinner. To dinner. Yes. Well, yes. Then we'll pop some anti-depression in meds. And up. <laughs> yeah, you send me the gator. I'll send you back some antidepressants. How about that? <laughs> Fair trade. That's trade. Uh, all right, that's our uh, that's our show. Uh, so we can't. This is the time of year. It's hard to fit it all in. But games yeah. are coming Thursday. We'll be out with a podcast before then. But uh, some really good games on Thursday. Backyard brawl. Obviously, West Virginia Pitt. Central Michigan returning to Oklahoma State, where they sprung an upset a few years back. Uh, Penn State, Penn, Purdue. Penn State, Purdue, the Joe Buck game. If you do not know, Fox traded announcer Joe Buck to uh, ABC and was able to select one extra Big Ten game to broadcast. And it they chose Penn State at Purdue Thursday. So this is the Joe Buck game. Uh, and then we got the full slate. So we got a lot to discuss next uh, next episode. Uh, should be out Wednesday night, but appreciate you here. Continue to uh, subscribe, and we will talk to you later. <laughs>